Hello and welcome to the Rise Empire podcast. I'm your host, Joe Phoenix. I'm a master mindset and manifestation coach, kundalini yogi, and your new spiritual bestie, helping you reclaim your sovereignty and tap into your full potential so you can live your most tuned in and turned on life. Here, we'll talk about all things mindset, manifestation, and spirituality, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Tune in weekly for all the juicy conversations, inspiration, tips, tricks, and motivation to get your week started right. Let's dive in to this week's episode. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome back to the podcast. This episode is going to be a little different, and I know I say that about a lot of the episodes, but this one is more of a review of a movie and the lessons that we can learn from the movie and why movies are so important to us in the first place. So buckle up, get ready. We're talking about The Little Mermaid today. So first and foremost, why are we talking about The Little Mermaid? Because I went and took my daughter to see The Little Mermaid a few weeks ago, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. The casting was impeccable. They couldn't have done a better job choosing the people that they did to play the characters that they did. It was just fabulous. Every single person that they chose embodied their character in the most incredible way. And the musical numbers, they were just perfect. I thought it was brilliant. The Little Mermaid was a pretty hot topic there for a while because of the way that they chose to cast it. And I think they did the most amazing job ever casting this movie. Hands down, it was incredible. Anytime a children's movie with magic comes up or is released in my little city, there's a lot of talk about it because the town that I live in is very Christian-dominated, which is great. But there seems to be a pretty big divide in who thinks magic in general, whether it be in fiction or in real life or whatever, is the work of the devil, and those who think magic and fiction is fine. So like when Harry Potter came out, it was a big deal. It was a very big deal. And I knew a lot of my friends who weren't allowed to read Harry Potter because of the magic and witchcraft in it. If you know me, you know that I love Harry Potter. Harry Potter is my jam. I will sit and have Harry Potter marathons multiple times throughout the year. My son has read the series twice. He absolutely loves it, which is so amazing to me. Side note. But anytime a movie or a book or something comes up and it has magic in it, it's almost like this huge divide happens in my town where you have people who are very strongly against it and people who are for it, right? So what this episode is going to be about is one, about magic, two, about how our brains store information, and three, some of the lessons that I picked up through The Little Mermaid. So as we get started, what is magic anyway? If we go to dictionary.com, it has two definitions. The first is that it's the art of producing illusions as entertainment by the use of sleight of hand, deceptive devices, etc. The second is the art of producing a desired effect or result through the use of incantation or various other techniques that presumably assure human control of supernatural agencies or the forces of nature. When we look at these two definitions, The first one obviously is kind of out of the picture for this movie because what we're talking about in this movie is 
the use of incantation and control of supernatural agencies and forces of nature. However, they're not used by a human. So we're not presumably assuring human control of supernatural agencies. She's a sea witch, right? She's a completely fictional character who turns a mermaid, another fictional character, into a human. Can this even apply? I don't know. Use your best judgment. For the sake of this podcast episode, we're going to say, yeah, it does apply. And she's using magic. Cool. What does that have to do with us? Because this is a fictional movie. It's a fictional story about fantasy creatures. When we're talking about magical or supernatural abilities in real life, in our real world, what we used to think was magic and what we would have thought was magic way back in the day is now being proven by science. For example, if we lived a thousand years ago and we saw an airplane, we would have thought that was magic. We would have thought it was magic to see a flying tube with two large things sticking out of the side of it with propellers was magic. It's in the air. How the hell is it staying up there? How is it flying? What is happening right now? But we know today we're able to fly to places in a big metal tube with wings. It's a thing. It's not magic. So the way that I like to define magic is simply phenomena that hasn't yet been explained by science. When we think about it that way, because we're now finding so much stuff that back in the day would have been termed as magic is actually being proven by science. Like the fact that the mere observation of a particle can change the way the particle behaves. How crazy is that? Simple human observation. We're finding that particles that once interacted with each other when separated, regardless of the distance, are still able to perceive what's happening to the other particle across time and space instantaneously through a process called quantum entanglement. We're also finding that cells hold memory, not just our memory, but the memory of our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our great-great-grandparents all the way back for about 18 generations. We're holding genetic memory. And that's a really interesting topic to talk about if you want to go research epigenetics. It's fascinating. We're also finding that water holds memory. We're finding that simply speaking to water or thinking our intention to water changes the structure of the water. You can find that through Dr. Emoto's water experiments. And these water experiments have been peer reviewed, and other individuals have also replicated the studies, and they show similar results that simply our intention changes the structure of water. And what are we? We're largely made up of water. So our intention, our words, the things that we speak, the frequency that we attach to our words and our thoughts physically alter the structure of the water inside of us. We're finding now that our DNA produces biophotons. Our DNA produces light, you guys. What? Our DNA produces light, which goes on to support the whole aura theory in spirituality, how we have an aura around us. If our DNA is producing light particles, then it makes sense to 
assume that we have light surrounding us in some form or fashion. And if that is so, then guess what? That supports the concept of having an aura. They're also finding that our pets that are more sensitive to these changes in our biophotons, that's what they're picking up when they can sense that we're sick before we actually show physical signs and symptoms of being sick. That's why your dogs can tell you that you're pregnant before you actually know that you're pregnant. Okay, so biophotons, a huge thing, right? With light and water both responding to frequency, then the frequency of our words, our thoughts, our actions, that matters. By changing your words, your thoughts, your actions to reflect a different frequency that will alter your physical structure of the water and the light inside of you. So all of this to say what was once thought of as magic is being proven by science. So I think the aspect of magic that most people are very concerned with is that aspect of calling on the devil or calling on demonic entities to help you achieve certain outcomes in The Little Mermaid. I don't remember her ever calling on the devil, calling on any demonic forces, calling on spirits, just her putting in different little things into a cauldron and poof, we have this spell and she takes Ariel's voice. And we know that when this is happening, it's happening out of deception. And Ursula is really wanting to hurt Ariel. Ursula wants to rule the sea. And in this new iteration of The Little Mermaid, Ursula is actually Ariel's aunt. So it adds a whole nother dynamic to Ursula's motives and why she's wanting to hurt Ariel and in turn hurt King Triton because she feels like she's been wronged in some way. She wants to get back at her brother. So it adds a whole nother dynamic, which I was happy with. Now let's talk a little bit about the human mind and why stories are so important for us. Our subconscious mind learns very well through metaphor. And that's what this whole movie is. That's why we love storytelling. That's why we can recall information much more easily if we have a story to go along with it. That's why teachings had been passed down for so long through the use of storytelling. That's why we use stories so much. I can talk to you all day about random facts and information, but as soon as I start telling you a story, it's going to hit different. It's going to bypass your critical faculty and be able to sink directly into your subconscious mind. One, because you're able to relate to it. And even if you're not able to directly relate to the experience that the characters are having, you're able to relate to the experience of the characters through their emotions, through their situation. Even if you haven't directly been in a situation like that, you're able to sympathize and empathize with that character. So now all of a sudden you have an emotional connection and an emotional investment with this character so that the morals of the story, the lessons are then ingrained into your subconscious mind instead of being a conscious lesson where you learn these different bullet points, some of which I will go over in just a minute. It's being told in a way that it's speaking directly to your subconscious mind, not to your conscious mind. And that takes the lesson 
and really makes it hit home. Whether or not you are consciously able to pick up on exactly what that lesson is, when it matters, when it comes time for your mind to show you that you've learned this lesson before, it'll come up and you might not even be sure where you learned it from, but it'll be there. And that is the beauty of storytelling. That's the beauty of metaphor. Some of the lessons in The Little Mermaid that I picked up on that I just briefly wrote down are these. Number one, don't automatically trust people, even if they're family, right? In this iteration of The Little Mermaid, Ursula was Ariel's aunt. Ariel wanted to trust her because she was family. Obviously, like there's a connection there. She wanted to trust her. She trusted her despite her gut feeling that was like, no, this is wrong, which leads me to the second one. Always trust your intuition. If something feels off or wrong, it's because it is. If you have that gut feeling that something's off and you should probably say no to this, then peace out. Okay. Number three, your voice is as unique as your fingerprint. Its unique frequency has the ability to heal your soul and your body. So cherish and protect it. Your voice is yours. It belongs to you. And that's why babies know their mother's voice. They're soothed by their mother's voice. Even if that mother feels like she can't carry a tune, I'm raising my hand over here. My daughter still loved to hear me sing and it would calm her down. Your voice, your frequency is very healing to you and to your offspring because they are a part of you. Number four, unconditional love knows no bounds. It doesn't know color. It doesn't know species. It doesn't know any limitations. You can have unconditional love for your mother. You can have unconditional love for your dog, for your rabbit, for your pets, any of your pets, for the trees outside, for nature, for God, whatever that is. You can have unconditional love regardless of what that thing is. That does not mean that it's a romantic love. It's unconditional love for all things. Knows no bounds. Five. There can be peace where there was once war and strife. People are capable of overcoming their differences. This is shown where King Triton finally realizes how happy Ariel is. At the very end of the movie, all of the people are having fun and socializing with all of the humans. It shows two worlds really coming together. And that really just goes to show that, yeah, despite their differences, despite all of the strife, it is possible to set aside all of these differences and come together and learn from each other. Number six, have an open mind and approach cultures and ways of living you're unfamiliar with, with playful curiosity, because there are always things that you can learn from people, especially if their ways seem strange to you. Ariel was so obsessed with the human world. She has all of these different little trinkets in her cavern, and she's just so obsessed. She wants to learn from them and be among the people. And then in this iteration of Little Mermaid, Prince Eric also has a whole room full of treasures that he's picked up through his travels. And there's a scene where Ariel, without her voice, is in his room of treasures. She's looking around and just in awe of everything that he has. And he comes in there and he's talking to her. Of course, she has no voice. She picks up a seashell and does something with it. And he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that that could do that. Then she picks up this rock and smashes it on the ground. 
And at first, everybody in the theater was like, oh my gosh, she just smashed his rock. But then it pans down and you see this beautiful geode that she had just cracked open. And he was like, this has been sitting in front of me for all of these years. And I had no idea that that was inside of that. So here she is in this human world teaching Prince Eric about things that he's had for years while also learning so much about the human world. She just comes at it with this playful, childlike curiosity where she wants to learn everything. And in that playful curiosity, she's also teaching. In any single moment, you never know what could be taught or what can be learned from somebody else. You never know what moment is going to register as significant. Number seven is sometimes exploring what your heart truly wants involves facing obstacles. And people will doubt you. They will absolutely doubt you, especially if it is not a prescribed path of society. Follow your heart anyway, because nobody else knows what your vision is. Nobody else has seen it because they're not in your mind. They don't know what's on your heart. They don't know your big vision. And if your big vision differs from going to school, going to college, getting a degree, getting a job or a trade, meeting the right person, settling down, buying a house, having kids, the whole white picket fence, I'll be happy when dream, you're probably going to face a lot of people doubting you. If your dream involves anything outside of that, people are probably going to look at you like, "Mm, that's not going to work because they've never seen it work. But just because they've never seen it work doesn't mean that you've never seen it work. If you can envision it in your mind, know that it's possible for you. Follow your heart anyway, despite what other people think. There will always be haters. There will always be people who say it can't be done until they see you do it. And then once they see you do it, they'll say, oh, I always knew that you could do that. I never doubted you. Follow your heart anyway. Number eight, and this is what I'll end this, is that you never know what you truly want unless you go out there and experience things. How are you going to know what it is that you truly want unless you actually go out there and experience it? You might think that you want something and then you get it and you realize that that's not what you truly want. I've been there. I went to school. I got the degree. I got the job that I thought was going to make me happy only to find out that wasn't it. Not for me. It might be it for somebody else. My dream is helping women create lives that they truly, truly enjoy living because I've been in that place where I truly, truly did not enjoy living. I did not enjoy my life. And we're not here for that. We're here to learn and grow and experience and love and play and enjoy life. Truly, truly enjoy life. So just to wrap up, a lot of the things that we used to consider magic back in the day are now being proven by science to be natural occurring phenomena. And when you're aware of these naturally occurring phenomena, you can then begin to use that to your advantage. Is that magic? I don't believe it is. Is witchcraft inviting the devil into your heart in some forms? Yeah. Do I invite the devil into my heart? Absolutely not. I'm team Jesus Christ all the way. He's my homie. Does that mean that I don't believe that there are dark entities and dark forces out there? No, absolutely. I believe that there are malevolent forces and beings out there that we can't see. 
do I believe that people get into things that they probably shouldn't? Absolutely. I have been there before and that's not the life that I choose to live. But do I believe that magic and fiction should be hidden from my children? No, because there are so many lessons that these stories can teach our children. And these are just a few from The Little Mermaid that I quickly wrote down for this podcast. These are just a few. Harry Potter has a gazillion and one. And I absolutely 100% recommend to any child to read Harry Potter, not for the magic, not because it's amazing literary work of art, but because of the lessons that you pick up on while you're reading the story. If you haven't seen Little Mermaid yet, I highly recommend it. It was absolutely beautiful. The emotion and the embodiment of these actors into their characters is phenomenal. 10 out of 10, recommend. I took Evelyn. It was fabulous. And I think that's going to wrap up this episode. As always, I love you and I will see you next week. All right, y'all, that's a wrap on another episode of the Rise Empire podcast. I hope you had as much fun as I did today learning about all things mindset, manifestation, and spirituality. Remember, knowledge is only power when it's put into action. So go ahead and put that newfound wisdom into play. If you loved this episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. Your words of support could inspire someone else to join our beautiful Rise Empire community. And speaking of community, let's stay connected and continue this conversation on social media. You can find all of the links in the show notes. And remember, the journey to reclaiming your sovereignty and tapping into your full potential is a beautiful one. I can't wait to share more insights, inspiration, and motivation to help you live your most tuned in and turned on life. Until next time, keep rising.